This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. I wasn't exactly sure how to start this morning, how to kind of make the point and drive home that we're in a new church season and have begun a new church calendar year. But I think by moving the chairs, we did it beautifully. Everyone is a little unsettled. It looks like a tennis match as we watch everyone kind of wondering which side, where is someone going to speak from next? Which side do I look at? But Happy New Year and Merry Advent. Today marks the beginning again of a new church year in the first Sunday of Advent. The chairs have moved. The color has changed to blue. The Advent wreath is out. Thanksgiving is over and the countdown to the arrival of the Christ child and the countdown to Christmas has begun. So this morning's readings are the introductory chapters of the church year. It's the kickoff message, if you will, that sets the tone and the theme for the upcoming year. And we're told to wait and to be ready for a coming day. Even though we don't know the time or the hour or the day, when it will happen. But we are called, we are told specifically to live in anticipation of and in preparation for that day. Now we all just had a trial run of sorts of what it means to prepare for a visitor. Most likely we either hosted a Thanksgiving meal or we were a guest at a Thanksgiving meal. And as a host, you want to make sure that your guests feel welcomed and at home. We make an effort to greet them at the door and to invite them in to the festivities. We try to have everything prepared before their arrival in advance. And sometimes that means getting ready days ahead, setting the table, making sure the food is warm and perhaps that music is playing. We might even make an effort to prepare their favorite food or to have their preferred drink ready for them when they arrive. We hope for good conversations and great food and shared memories and joy. For many of us, we also honor our relatives who are no longer with us. We prepare old family recipes that have been passed down and shared through the generations. I know that it's important to me to pass on the memories and the love that my family shared with me when I was a little child. And so I try and create those same traditions for my children and my grandchildren. And when we do that, it feels like a, like a piece of them is there at the table with us. As we use my, my mother's old plates, as we eat Grandma Ruth's corn casserole and Grandma Esther's dilly bread, and we tell old stories and share memories and just remind ourselves of who used to sit at the table and who used to be with us. But while Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday, I also think we have to acknowledge that life isn't always like a Norman Rockwell painting. Sometimes the turkey is dry or overcooked. Sometimes the dinner conversation turns political or even argumentative. And sometimes there are empty seats at the table because of death or sickness or divorce or addiction or conflict or just travel. Despite what we do to prepare and to be ready, things don't always turn out like we had hoped. Sometimes 
Like this week, the news is filled with stories of mass shootings, of poverty, of homophobia and transphobia, stories filled with hate and violence. And we realize that there will be empty seats at tables in Colorado and in Virginia and throughout the world because of violence and war and hatred. Sometimes we grieve and we struggle. But this morning's gospel lesson is a reminder that we're called to live precisely in these difficult spaces of not knowing and of uncertainty. We're asked to live every day in preparation for a coming visitor who we know will come, but we don't know the day or the time or the hour. So every day we're called to set the table, to prepare, to live in anticipation of a day that might come but might not. And so I ask this morning that we turn to Matthew 25. It falls just one chapter after this morning's lesson, but it tells us where we can find God while we wait. And it tells us that God is found in the hungry, the naked, the stranger, the prisoner, and in the thirsty. And as faithful Christians, we often ask ourselves questions like, where is God? Where can we find God? Where can we feel God's presence and the presence and the power of the Spirit? We search for signs and for answers. We read books and we study and pray, and we search diligently longing for a moment, just a glimpse of the Spirit. But we've been told where to go and where to look. We're told that when we serve amongst the hungry, the naked, the stranger, the prisoner, and the thirsty, that we will encounter God. After all, it's easy for us to welcome those we love and enjoy to our shared meals and celebrations. But we aren't asked only to love those that we love or those that will love us in return. We're called to exhibit a radical love that will challenge and change us as we work together to transform the world. We're called to bring justice to a world where people are hungry and thirsty, called to bring light into a world that sometimes appears to be filled with darkness. We're called to bring coats and clothing and shelter to those who don't have a home or a safe place to rest. We're called to bring safety and protection to those who are threatened by gun violence, called to bring love and acceptance and affirmation to those who are hated and sometimes even hunted because of who they love or how they identify. We're called to advocate for those who are imprisoned. We're called to bring justice to those who are hated or discriminated against because of their nationality or race or color or religion. There are so many who live on the margins and in need and all too often there aren't enough voices calling and fighting for justice and for light. But yes, we will still have glimpses of that perfect Thanksgiving feast, that ideal setting of the Rockwell portrait where everything goes right. We've been promised that God's love will overcome and will triumph in the end. But as we live into that promise, 
We also must work to be a part of bringing that reality into the world. We don't know the day or the hour, but we're called to live as if that time is now. And we must prepare for the day, prepare for that day, by adding seats to the table, by welcoming those whom the world deems unworthy. The table is still too small and too exclusive and too unwelcoming. There are still too many guests who are waiting outside the door. And because of this, I think the Thanksgiving feast is a perfect analogy in so many ways. The guest list is meant to challenge us and to challenge the world. Jesus, after all, shocked those around him by inviting the unexpected and the unwelcome to the table. And we must be ready. We must be ready to accept that the people who are meant to be sitting at the table next to us, the ones who will be passing us the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the sweet potatoes, are quite likely the last people in the world that we might want to be seated alongside, the last people we might think that are worthy of God's grace. Yet it's in that moment and beside them that we will encounter God and feel the power of the Spirit. Christ is coming, and we must prepare. Christ is coming, and the world needs Christ's radical love and justice. Christ is coming. Prepare and come to the table to eat and to celebrate, but bring an extra chair. Make room for others. Invite someone new to join us in our waiting, in our preparation, and in our celebration. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.